Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. Retirement Unlimited is an informative weekly radio program dedicated to offering factual information and sound advice for those wanting to know more about retirement planning. Proper advice depends on complete analysis of all the facts and circumstances. Information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors Inc. is a registered investment advisor. Now, here's Randy Barkley. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited. This is the radio program that is dedicated to helping you make smart decisions about your money. I'm your host, Randy Barkley, and I'm here with Jeremiah Lee. We are with Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm and we're located in Riverside. We serve the Inland Empire. I'm a certified financial planner as well as Jeremiah, but Jeremiah is also an attorney and we are fiduciaries. And if you'd like to know more about what a fiduciary is, I suggest you go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com or just simply call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Now, every week, what we do is we divide our program into three segments. The first segment is retirement update. The second one is tactical asset management. And the third one is news you can use. Now, in the first segment of the program today, we're going to talk about something that really goes down more in Jeremiah's line because he's an attorney. And we're going to talk about special needs trusts. Now, we have several clients who have adult children that they have certain disabilities And we get a lot of questions about that. And of course, as we step into the retirement aspect, if a portion of those assets or a portion of that income is going to be used to take care of that particular child, the question is, is what can they do? Do they do they do they name their child on their individual retirement account? Uh, Do they assign the assets in their trust to the child? Uh, Do they give a separate amount? So there's a lot of questions about that, and it can be really complex, can it, Jeremiah? It can, and part of when, when a family has a special needs child, there's a whole, whole world of things that open up. You know, there, there's, there's government programs that are available to assist the child. There's social security aspects, social security disability aspects relating to both the parents and the children. And, and so the planning is a key aspect of making sure their child has uh, sufficient assets for the rest of their life. And the key thing that I see when we talk with clients a lot is that medical advances are changing things, right? Medical advances are allowing kids who had uh, at one point short uh, lifespans or expect- expected lifespans due to their disability to live much longer and often outlive their parents. Yeah. I mean, I had a client, uh, this has been years ago, but um, they had a daughter who had spina bifida and, and the daughter was not expected to live much past 10, 11, 12 years of age. She actually was in college uh, when she uh, when she passed away suddenly, but uh, clearly uh, she had a more sustained life, and they were making a lot of decisions about what happens if she lives, what if she goes beyond substantially beyond what would be the normal life expectancy, and how to take care of her. Yeah, and as parents are having children later in life, um, there's options where the child is younger and the parents are older. Yeah, and so the idea that that the parents may not be around to actively make these choices for their children and care for their children brings in the question, what will we do? And often a special needs trust is a good solution. So again, in a special needs trust, kind of walk through the construction of that. How does that, what, what does what does a parent do in order to structure 
And again, a special needs trust has certain advantages. It has certain tax advantages and protection for the for the beneficiary. Yeah, a, it's a regular trust, just a normal trust people set up has a successor trustee, someone who will step into your shoes and manage things for you. And a lot of people are familiar with that, that concept. In a special needs trust, there's a few more layers that go on. So there's still someone who steps in to take care of, um, steps in your shoes, take care of your, your life and your, your child's life. One aspect is there's often a care manager. Someone who's not just doing the finances, but also overseeing the actual care that's given to the child. This could be the same person, but sometimes it's separate. They'll keep kind of the, the finances apart from the day-to-day care. Um, there's two key aspects, though, of a special needs trust. The first one is it manages the spending for the child. Most children with special needs are not in a position to manage their own finances, to, right. to write checks, to do things along those lines. So there's someone who is managing the finances for the child. The separate, and this is really the, the, the most key aspect of a special needs trust, is that the assets are not readily available to the to the child as if they were in the child's account. They're, they're kept separate. And that separation allows the child to qualify for government programs. Mm-hmm. They have low income, low assets, because every, everything that might be for them, all the assets that might be available for them are held in the separate trust that's not considered part of their estate. And again, one of the key advantages of a special needs trust is that the child still receives all the benefits from the government, You know, the social security supplemental income, maybe through Medi-Cal, whatever the health insurance such. But if the money goes outside of that, uh, some of those benefits could go away or, or completely disappear. That's right. So to qualify for a lot of the government programs, whether they be direct financial assistance or even just qualifying to participate right. in certain programs and you know go to certain work um, uh, kind of day work programs, as well as care programs, they require certain um, uh, thresholds be met. And, and the key one is the assets available to the, the child, as well as the income to the child. So the trust really keep, creates a moat around those assets and the benefits, in other words, the state or the federal government, the, the beneficiary doesn't have any access to that money. That's where the trustee has to have fiduciary responsibility to make sure those funds are managed appropriately. And then we get into taxation because just because they're in a special needs trust doesn't mean they're free from tax. So if you assign an IRA or the the beneficiary statement states that the special needs trust is the beneficiary, and depending upon how large that IRA is, it could create a taxable circumstances. It could, absolutely. And kind of the the key things for most trusts, especially the special needs trust, is the control and the tax efficiency. Right. It's not the most tax efficient method to take things from the IRA and to transfer them to a child through a trust. Right. It's not the most tax efficient. However, when control is the, the needed uh, driver, you know, to control the kids' finances as well as make sure they qualify for government programs, that, that control becomes uh, the prime area of the planning. Yeah, so we've acted actually as uh, Tricord Advisors as well as myself. We've acted as a trustee. We've been at, on a very selected basis. It's not something we do as a regular um, benefit to our clients. We try to use family members and or other people to act in that role. But in some cases, they don't have family members. They don't have anybody close to them to oversee that. And I've been asked uh, to do that on a couple of occasions. It's a a big learning process uh, deciding as as a trustee, but also in comparison to corporate trustees and what I call a a disinterested and, and not very personal response to the needs of the person. Yeah, that's right. I mean, most parents, when, when they're alive, they are the trustees, right? And they take care of their kids in all the ways they would. And that, that's a difficult conversation of saying, who in your life would you want to take care of your kids? And some people have another child or a brother or another family member who's a great fit. And that's usually ideal. They know the I child, they've, they've grown up with that child. 
but there's there's circumstances in which no one is readily apparent, and the, the parents really struggle to find mm-hmm. if something were to happen to us, who would really care for our child the way we would. You know, we're, I'm just thinking we're working with a family right now where the son has special needs, and there is the father uh, who is much older, and then there is a daughter uh, would be basically a sister of the special needs uh, man, and we're kind of coordinating the whole family around this aspect and working with it and trying to determine what is going to happen when the father passes away. And what, where is the son going to continue to live? There's just a lot of factors that go into this. And the daughter doesn't live in the nest, you know, doesn't live right next to the son or to the brother. And so there's all these factors that kind of come into play to make good choices because it could be a long-term deal. Yeah. And that's a a big part of planning. Right. When the family dynamic allows it, we love to get the entire family involved to have a cohesive plan that goes multi-generation. And you, you don't find that with um, you know, an online training platform or other things, <laughs> that, or Google search. But the idea is to, to say what fits for this specific family and let's make a plan that really um, provides the best, best way forward. Again, if, if you have this need, or if you know if somebody has this need, you know these are, these are things that we do in our office. We, uh, we sit alongside of people and we try to find out what is the best solution to the problems or the issues in front of them. If you'd like to know more about what we do, I would suggest you give us a call. Uh, phone number is 951-684-7011. Remember, the first interview is always free. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as tactical asset management. You know, Jeremiah, this is a topic that we've talked about a lot on the radio. We've talked a lot with clients and inflation. And with all the money that's being printed, um, everybody has this, you know, this thing that inflation is going to is going to jump. And yeah. and they're 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 thinking, how is this all going to get paid back? And I always always make the always make the comparison. I said, we're going to pay back the debt either with inflation, which is what most people think, or we're going to pay back with taxation. So one of the things one of the things that that I think we have to be really clear about is inflation has certain expectations built into it. And there's a lot of things we look at that we're not terribly concerned about inflation running away like it did in the 70s, you know, going forward. And I think one of those things is Again, again, one of the things that we look at a lot is the bond prices. I mean, bond yields are just, it's like, they're not really concerned about inflation, are they? Yeah, we've been talking about inflation. I think we will continue to. I mean, a big thing that we talk about with clients and internally is that we're we're not making a bet and drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is what, this is what inflation will be, right. no questions asked. We're, we're tracking it. We're watching it. We're following it. We're trying to stay up to date 
on the best information we know. And a, a big piece is the bond market. And it's not necessarily the, the price of a specific um, bond or the 10-year treasury, but it, it's the relative prices among them. Right. And so example being, you could have a, a five-year bond at a certain rate and a 10-year bond at a certain rate. And that kind of tells you the expectations of the market, the people who are buying and selling those bonds, of what they think is fair uh, kind of inflation or fair expectations for the five years and 10 years. And what we're, what we're seeing at the moment uh, is that the longer term expectations are are still in that 2% type. Yeah, you know, there's, I mean, there's some short two, two to 2.9%. They're staying within that range. Now, again, inflation, we think inflation, you know, what happens, let's say now will be embedded. We don't think that if you give somebody a salary increase to bring them on or give an additional per hour, um, you know, wage is higher than what, you know, let's say two years ago was that they're going to go back. So I think some of those things are automatically going to be a jump up in price. So, and I think those will be embedded, yeah. but I, I don't think, again, the expectation isn't that that same inflationary rate is going to happen year after year after year. So that's what we call, when we say transitory mm -hmm. It's happening now, but it is not something that's going to be embedded. Um, the expectation is not that it's going to happen for, forever. And, and the scary version of inflation, the one that I think right. everyone, when they, when they think inflation and think a, a bad thought about it, is that embedded inflation for three, five, 10, 15 years. Right. You know, when you have you know, high inflation for a decade, that really changes things. People on fixed incomes, people who are on pensions. But to have higher inflation for a year or maybe two, but getting back to kind of the, the, the Fed's desire of 2 to 3%, um, is not that scary. So what we've been watching is is kind of what they call the inflation expectations. So right. It's a measure of where they take workers and business folks and kind of it's it's kind of like a survey idea that they get all this together and ask people what what they expect. And you know, in addition to the bonds, which is the you know that's people putting their money where their mouth is. Right. The in, inflation expectation kind of gauge is simply their their thoughts, their kind of their their opinion on things. And it's similar. It's lining up to say you know, there's inflation now. There's expected to be inflation now but they're not seeing this strong expectation for inflation in future years. Yeah, I think most people don't, when they, they talk about investing, of course, I think their mind automatically goes to stocks. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know that the bond market is as big, if not bigger than the stock market, and it has a massive amount of, of movement. So even small percentages, which you and I would look at and say, well, that's not that much. But in the bond market, when you're looking at a 10-year, 20-year, or 30-year timeframe, uh, bond investors are very careful about how they invest their money. Absolutely. And an individual stock price impacts that company of how they can get money from the market right. based on their stock. The, the bond market, you know, a lot of these, there's individual corporate bonds, but for a lot of it, when you have the treasury or some other bonds, that one bond price affects everybody. Right. You know, it, it dictates how banks are lending money, how uh, adjustable mortgages and things like that, how they adjust. I mean, all of it Credit ties card payments, things like that. Right. right. Absolutely. All that ties together. And so the impact of a, a, a slight movement in the bond market, depending on you know, what, what idea that is, it, it can ripple through the entire economy and, and affect real people's lives. Like you said, you know, their, their credit card interest rate just went up, mm -hmm. not because of anything that they did or their lifestyle, but simply because there's a shift in bond prices and that rippled through the market and impacts individual. Right. right. I think there's, uh, you know, there's, you know, going back to the 60s, you know, economists thought there was a trade-off between inflation and unemployment. You know, the relationship was called the Phillips, I don't want to get too technical, it was called the Phillips curve. And the policymakers could lower unemployment by allowing higher inflation. And for those of you that lived through that time, you saw what that impact was. But, you know, somebody that I've, I've read and, and I've listened to over the years, he's now passed away, and that's Milton Freeman. And he argued that workers would respond to higher inflation by expecting 
and receiving higher wages, um, which would tend to push unemployment back up to its old level. Now, that's what happened in the, in the 70s. Uh, unemployment went down, but inflation didn't go down because expectations were high. And what we're doing is we're comparing that time because post-Vietnam War, there was an explosion of debt. You had the war on poverty. There was an explosion of debt. And all of these things came into play and it built into expectations. Now, I lived through that. I graduated from high school in the early 70s, went to college. And when I first had my job, inflation was rampant. I mean, I can remember uh, changes in prices was just commonplace. And of course, there's other factors like the oil embargo and things like that that were key in that point in time. But when Paul Volcker came in and Ronald Reagan came in, they pretty much killed the rising interest rates and the inflationary expectations. And we've not had it come back and uh, take over again like it did back then. Yeah, and I think the fear, you know, I think there's sure. a lot of people who remember those times. Right. They remember paying 12% for a mortgage. You know, they, they remember that aspect. And, and we're not there at the moment, but I think that is the fear that people see um, that that kind of muscle memory of what happened before. So as we talk about inflation, we will continue to, um, but this idea of, of currently what we're seeing is this, we think it looks like it's transitory and we're hopeful it's transitory. Right. And as, as we see more and more data, this recent data looks like it <clears throat> is looking to be transitory, but we'll see. We'll continue watching. And, and I, and I think you'll up. see higher prices as we go into Christmas and some of these other things. I think they're going to have some supply shortages. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about car purchases and used cars and other things. And we're starting to see it cyclical. We're starting to see the demand and the production of goods and such as that. The price is starting to come back down. But I think it'll take a year. It may take through 2022, maybe even to 2023 before it starts to smooth out a little bit. And that is if COVID goes away. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if we can get past this, this next, this last variant and without any damage to the economy, I think things will calm back down again. If you'd like to talk to us more about this, we would be more than happy to discuss with you where we get our thoughts, how we get assumptions about certain things, and really the army of people that we, um, that we get advice from constantly. Uh, we literally have some of the best minds in the world giving us constant information about all this. And um, we'd be more than happy to talk to you about your retirement, your investments, your planning. Give us a call. Phone number is 951-684-7011. Remember, the first interview is always free. Stay tuned for my next section. We're going to talk about news you can use. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org. Or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as News You Can Use. You know, Congress came out, Jeremiah, and they passed this massive change again uh, to savings rules. And it affected the distribution on stretch IRAs. Um, it, it had a lot of effect. And there's an article that I clipped out. Now, this is, it's been around for a while. This is clipped out in February of 2020. It came out of the Wall Street uh, Journal. 
And the title to the article is Making Sense of the New Savings Plan Rules. And it goes through the different aspects of, like, for example, RMDs. RMDs were changed dramatically, right? Yeah, there's a number of changes. We you know, pounded through this with our clients trying to get through what, what these, these rules would mean. A lot of people in 2020 had a, a break from RMDs. You know, that was, that was mm-hmm. a good moment for that. Uh, but, but a few of the things we want to highlight just today, because we're still getting questions. Right. Um, RMD is the, the biggest one that, that has come up. And I think just a notable change is that for most people, you know, uh, most people in their certain age range, but most people, instead of having to take your required minimum distribution, that's the, the annual amount you have to take out of your IRA at a certain age. It used to be 70. At 70, you, you had to take that, whereas they move that now to 72. Right. And th- the reason the government has RMDs is they don't want the money just to sit there indefinitely. They want you to take it out and they want to tax you on it. They want you to receive that income so you can pay taxes. For, for folks who have sufficient assets in retirement, either a pension or, or others, it's usually preferable to delay withdrawing from the IRAs. Just let that money grow you know, as long as they can. And it used to be at 70, you had to start taking the money out. Well, now they push that to 72. So it allows two more years of growth. Um, and, and for a lot of people, that, that's desirable. Some, some folks, right. of course, have to use the IRA before right. that. Yeah. But, but often, if you can let it sit and grow, it, it's preferable. And, course, and again, this doesn't talk about it, but it's the coordination of Social Security and your RMDs and pension and all that stuff. That's the planning part of it that, um, you know, we get into the weeds with the client to make sure we give them the right information. But the RMD rules uh, changed. And so going from 70 and a half to 72, it gives you an additional two years before you have to start taking distributions. And I think I think also... The thing is that it affected the stretch IRA provision. So under the old rules, if you were a non-spouse beneficiary, you could take out, you could take your beneficial interest over your lifetime. So whatever, whatever the IRS, there's a mortality schedule um, that you could take it out over. They changed that. They changed that to 10 years. So if you're a non-spouse beneficiary, now these limitations are such that. Okay, just try to be clear here. You could take it out anytime over the 10 years. You could take it all out once in one year. You could take it out systematically over 10 years. You could wait until the last year, take it out and take it out in the 10th year. The thing is that you got to remember that it's all taxable when it comes out to you, whoever's the beneficiary, whatever their tax bracket is. And the most most common for this is kids. Right. Often, you know, the, the second spouse to survive passes away and the kids inherit these leftover IRAs. And if you were to inherit, say, $100,000 in an IRA from your parents, you, under the old rules, you could take that and stretch it over your remaining lifetime. So if you're 50 years old, you could stretch that for it's another- like building another pension. Yeah, it's like a pension, 40, 50 years, you could stretch that out, which the benefit of that means you, you're taking a couple thousand dollars a year and it keeps your taxes real low. It's extra income. It's, it's great. Uh, it used to be great. <laughs> but now with a 10-year, you have to take that money in this 10-year period. And so for some folks, that basically is adding on a, a chunk of income that they're going to be taxed on in this shorter period. But there's some caveats, you know, it's like everything. I always like it when we talk, you say, but it depends. And the depends upon who the beneficiary is. Of course, if it's a spouse, then they can take it out over there. They just roll into theirs and it takes it out over their lifetime. But if there's a disabled child or special needs child, the uh, IRS is allowed that to be split, uh, in other words, carved out. So they take it out over their life expectancy. So you can create kind of a pension for that disabled child. That's right. That's right. And there's a couple others that are lesser known, which don't apply to the majority of people, but that's the importance of planning. You know, right. you hear things, oh, I, I think I have to take this out. I, I don't know. You know, for your situation, if, if there's this first spouse dies and the second spouse inherits it, you can still stretch it over your lifetime. And that's ideal. If you'd like to have a copy of this article, it's, it's called Making Sense of the New Savings Plan Rules. We'd be more, ha- more than happy 
to make a free reprint of it and send it out to you. Just give us a call at our office at 951-684-7011 or just simply go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley. For more information about today's show or other questions regarding your retirement planning, call Randy at 951-684-7011. That's 951-684-7011. Remember, retirement planning is a process, not a product. So call Randy at 951-684-7011 or visit his website at retirementunlimited.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Retirement Unlimited. Proper advice depends on complete analysis of all the facts and circumstances. The information given on this program is in the nature of general financial comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. This is to protect your assets. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent. California license number 0518567. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated. Tricord Advisors, Inc. is a registered investment advisor.